Oh, wasn't that fun? Gotta love it when something technical like that happens. And, and uh, I hope uh, for those in the room, it's kind of whatever, but online, hopefully that you were able to kind of pick up what was being put down. Uh, and uh, we're just so grateful for everybody that's watching online. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in and join us today. What a great day to be together. Uh, all of you in the room, great to see your bright, shiny faces. Uh, today we're going to talk about hell. I don't know how else to jump into it, just there it is, right? So, uh, um, you know, that's the, that's, the, that's the best I can do. So every week, uh, I, I just, just some insight into maybe my heart a little bit. Every single week, let me back up even further. Uh, Lynn and I, uh, 28 years ago, uh, I'm trying to think of what, I guess it was in May, 28 years ago, uh, we accepted uh, and, and stepped into an opportunity to start a church in, here in Palmyra. And 28 years ago, there's 12 people around the room, and we all kind of bantered and talked about what would it look like, all that kind of stuff. Number one theme was this. There are people far from God, and God loves them and wants them to know about him and find a personal relationship with him that would change their life and ultimately change their eternity. So from, from that day forward, our, our number one pursuit is to help people who are far from God come to know God, grow in their faith, and then go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's, that's our goal. That's our desire. That's our mission. And, and underlying that is a weekly, and now we're to the weekly thing, weekly I pray for as putting together a message, what's in my mind are groups of people. As I look into the room here today, as I look into the camera, I look and I think about groups of people. I, I think about groups of people who have been in church their whole lives, grew up in the church. And so the, the, there's that group of people. And then there's people who maybe are new to it, but they're living it out and kind of trying to figure things out. And then there's people who have been coming to church, but really aren't really living it out. They're just coming on Sundays and punching their going to church card, as we would say. And then there are those who are sticking their toe in the water and figuring out is it worthwhile swimming in it. And, and, and everything in between. And then there are some people who are dragged here and you're just doing it to make uh, the girl that you want to impress like you, or uh, you heard there's free coffee, whatever your reason is, but you're here. And I got to tell you something, I am grateful that you're here. I pray all week long, God, would you just bring people, just bring people, help people who are indecisive just to make that one choice to step across the threshold of this church, whether it be online or in person, that they would come through the doors. And, and may what we do, what we do, people, right, Cross Creek, what we do, may the things we do, the, the, our interactions with people, and the things we talk about help people to realize God loves them. We love them. We want for them to know what we know, this great and wonderful, powerful hope in Jesus. That's our desire. God's amazing love for you and ultimately that you would get it and understand it and accept it for yourself. So 
talking about hell is a hard subject because, man, it just is, you know, if you're new to this and all of a sudden hell's coming at you, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things right in your face, but honestly, it's just straight talk and it's confrontational, if you will, and, uh, and, and what we ultimately talk about in this is that we all have choices to follow Jesus, right? That's what we, we stand for here at Cross Creek is, is to follow Jesus, um, and no matter what, you're going to follow something. Uh, anybody remember Bob Dylan? Anybody old in this room? Some of you are old enough. Some of you are, are music people, so you kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I really have appreciated Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan kind of always bothered me with his nasally singing. Yeah, yeah. You know, just the, eh, felt like he was in so much pain. Eh. So uh, he, had, he had found Christ, and so he had this whole album, and one of the lyrics from his album was, you're going to, you're going to serve somebody, right? And, and in that lyric is serving somebody, meaning you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to serve the devil, right? You're going to serve either one. And there's truth in that, in that when we serve somebody, we're going to follow somebody, we're going to serve somebody in that. You're going to serve Jesus, you're going to follow him, or you're going to follow your own way. And, and following your own way, you might think, isn't serving Satan. It's not serving the devil, but you're doing what the devil wants. Let me just put it that way. It's the best way I know how of putting it. Any, anything that isn't serving Jesus is following what it is that Satan wants for you to do. Because if he can keep you from following Jesus, if he can keep you from understanding that, that, he, that Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you and, 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 and and gave up his life so that you could have relationship with a holy God, that that, that if that message could be disrupted, then somehow he, he wins. And so we talked about this last week, that the devil, his top priority is to, is to, con- is to confuse us or to deceive us, that, that heaven is, is not this real place or that earth is, is, is so good that we don't need to go talking about heaven. If we can, if we can put that stuff off and, and, and actually as we turn the corner and start talking about hell, if, if we can somehow, if he can somehow convince us that we, we don't need to take hell so seriously. You know, that that's, hell is this place where, you know, we're going to hang out and have a party. You know, we're just going to sit around and drink beer and smoke and do all kinds of fun stuff. We'll have an eternal suntan. You know, and we'll play poker and it'll be great. If he can convince us that hell isn't all that bad, we might then dismiss Jesus. And ultimately, we won't have the fear that we ought to have of a holy God. Now, whenever we talk about the fear of God, what I want you to hear is, is that God is a just God. And there is an ultimate judgment that is coming for all of us. And that just God is a just God. And there are consequences for the decisions that we make. And, and so the fear isn't that, that, that God doesn't love us. He's not a loving God. The fear is, is that we need to recognize that his judgment is is true and perfect. 
Some wondered this question. If God is loving, then why is there a hell? And here, here's the one that you hear the most. If God's such a loving God, then why does he send people to hell? Well, God doesn't necessarily send people to hell. People make the decision to not go to heaven. Right? I, I at one point, I managed, a, when I lived in Colorado, I managed a bunch of, of back in the day when you actually had print shops because we didn't have copiers. <laughs> yeah, that, that time, we also, we drove our horse to work. Uh, <laughs> But back in those days, you know, um, I, I used to say this to employees. Listen, I will never, I don't fire people. People just tell me they don't want to work for me. Right? Because if they don't work, if they don't do the things that I laid out very clearly, here's what you need to do. And if you don't do those things, you're basically telling me you don't want to work for me. I'm not firing you. You're just asking to no longer work here. And and same holds true when it comes to this notion that, that God is sending people to hell. People are deciding to follow Jesus or follow themselves and ultimately doing what it is that Satan wants for you to do, is to not accept Jesus as your Savior. Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus said it, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for. This is so important. Lean into it. Look up on the screens. Open your Bible. Matthew 25, 41. What does it say? Look carefully. It says, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels or demons, right? So it's prepared for the devil. It wasn't prepared for God's loving creation of mankind. You and I are created in, in his image. His image bearers, he, he didn't create hell for his image bearers. If you read Genesis in the very beginning, you will see everything was good. The relationship with God was great. And then sin came in. And because of sin, um, we follow our own way and we, and we do our own thing. And so judgment day is coming. Satan knows it. And so he is working to deceive as many as he can to because he knows that we are image bearers of God and that he loves us. And his love for us is so huge that he would send his son to die on the cross for us. That's his love. And Satan is all out about taking out Jesus and, and taking out God and and stealing from, robbing from God, and, and, and lying, and deceiving. And that's what he's all about. And he, and he is doing a job on so many people. Last week, we talked about the devil's agenda, right, in, in, in terms of what it means for heaven. But that same agenda holds true when it comes to hell. Not accepting Jesus as your Savior is following the wishes of the devil. Just, I, I, I know that sounds really like cut and dry, but it is cut and dry. I mean, it, it, there's no way of getting past what's black and what's white. It, it is. Again, going back to Genesis, Genesis, God loved his, 
his image bearers, Adam and Eve, and he gave them free will. He's given you and I free will. You have free will. Watching online, you've got free will. You, you decided that, that you're going to watch online today. Those of you in the room, you decided to, to come here today. You made decisions. You have free will. Those of you that are teenagers, you have free will. And teenagers think, you know, I don't have free will. I live with my parents. I'm going to tell you something, teenagers. Listen carefully. You are freer now than you will ever be in your entire life. And us old people say, amen. Did you hear what he said? You know, that's, that's for you, junior. And, and here's the reason why is because from the rest of your life, you're going to have more and more people who are over you and controlling your life. But God has given us free will, and we get to make up our minds what we believe and whom we're going to follow. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 tell us that. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, and they will be shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. That's tough to hear. But let me tell you, it's so important to hear. See, see I'd rather speak about joy and loving one another. I'd even rather talk about cats. And if you know me, that's a stretch. But then I remember that the same Jesus that taught about grace and forgiveness and inclusion and selfless love for our, our, our neighbors and, and all that we come into contact also teaches about hell. And Jesus actually talked more about hell than heaven. Did you know that? One place that stands out to me is a story that we're going to look at, this parable that we're going to look at. And I just want to let you know that there's a lot of passages that we could talk about. We could pull out all kinds of stuff from Revelations, and we could talk about all kinds of different things. But I've decided to try to keep us on track with what we're talking about here today, because some of those verses as, as important as they are, and I would highly recommend us knowing those verses for today's purposes, I felt like we shouldn't go down those, we shouldn't go down the road those verses would take us because some of those verses would begin to open up different questions and different things that, that really with bringing them up and not talking about what, we're, what they talk about would be wrong and wouldn't be able to give you context, wouldn't be able to give you the clarity of what it is that's taking place. And, and so by... To, that's not, just not my style. I, I, I just don't want to leave us with all this more questions than we have answers for. So I, I decided to kind of narrow it down and actually just do what Jesus did. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just repeat a parable that Jesus gave. Now, this parable was given to, you know, Jesus struggled. I, I call it struggle. He, his most often issue that he had was with the Pharisees, with the religious elite. And this is right in line with that. So the Pharisees and Jesus have had this, this thing. And so Jesus, um, and it's over finances, money, and Jesus makes a statement that leads up to, to this parable. 
Um, he makes a statement, you, you can serve God or mammon, but you can't serve both, right? And mammon being money, right? But I, but I always think of it this way. That's, that's true. That's the, that's the actual word. But I think it's a bigger picture, right? I think it's, I think it's the things that we, we think are more important than serving God. And, and that could be people. It could be possessions. It could be time, things we spend our time on. It could be, there's so many other things, right? But, but so Jesus is confronting the Pharisees because the Pharisees loved money. Matter of fact, that's in the verses leading up to the, basically that's what it says. They loved money. And so Jesus is not too happy with them and he's kind of pushing at them and saying, listen, you can't do both. And so we get to this story that's found in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Is where we're going to start. The, we're going to pick up the story at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Now, I'm going to stop here and just talk about purple. Uh, I think it's interesting that purple is, is, the, is, the, is, is what's described here as what he was wearing. And the reason is, is purple was really something that's not easy to come by, right? They didn't have the mixture when you mix red and yellow, you, right? you, you, know, you don't have those things happening. They didn't have that kind of palette. They just had the resources available. So the reason purple stands out in this, this story is that in that time of history, purple fabric came from the Phoenician city of Tyre in the modern-day place of Lebanon, right? And Tyrene, Tyrene, Tyrene purple came from a species of sea snail. I'm reading this now. From sea snail, and it was extremely rare. To harvest it, dye makers had to crack open the snail's shell, extract a purple-producing mucus, I love that word, and then expose it to sunlight for a precise amount of time. It took as many as 250,000 snails to yield just one ounce of usable dye. That's a lot of snail's mucus. <laughs> and this guy was dressed in purple. So what's being described here, and Jesus' listeners would have caught that. He's rich, but he's not just rich. He's filthy rich. I mean, he's covered in mucus. <laughs> That's how rich he is. He's slimy rich. Verse 20. At this, at, at his gate, so this, this rich guy's gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. And if you look at the parables of Jesus, this is the only time a name's brought into the equation. I think that's pretty cool. So Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, some of us would say, those dogs are so nice, taking care of Lazarus. But that's not what's, Jesus is painting the picture here of a really bad thing. Because in, in Jesus, in, in the days of Jesus, dogs were not what we see dogs as now. They were, they were a little bit of kind of uh, scavengers, if you will. Not that, now, there were uh, the Egyptians maybe had some, uh, some working dogs and some different things, but for the most part, where Jesus is, that's not the case. And they, and they would have been unclean, so they weren't anywhere near the temple and all that kind of stuff. So, 
So, so in Jesus' day, dogs coming and licking your sores wasn't a good thing. And if anything, it depicts the disparity that, or the, the trouble that Lazarus is in. Lazarus is laid by, he's, he's, he's in such a bad shape that he can't even get the dogs to leave him alone. The dogs have the ability to just come up to him and lick his sores one step away from, from actually eating Lazarus. That's the state that Lazarus is in, and Jesus is depicting that for his listeners. And so this is, this is the state that, that we find the dogs come and lick his sores, and, and, and he, he's unable to keep them away. Verse 22, the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried uh, in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. <coughs> Excuse me. It's interesting that I took a drink right there. Um, because... He calls out to Father Abraham, <coughs> excuse me, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger into water and cool my tongue. Because I am in agony in this fire. <coughs> Just kind of let that sink in for a moment. The rich man is in such, such a bad place. Such a bad place. Jesus, in the parables, as you look at Luke, in the parables that he tells, there's a flip that takes place, right? There's, there's the rich man, and now the rich man's in a much worse place than Lazarus ever was. And that's the case here. It is so bad that he just, he just, a, just a drop of water, just not even a drop of water, just a wet finger, just something. And then verse 26 points out that there's this, this chasm between this, this great distance between Abraham and this, this rich guy. And so verse 27, the rich man says, I beg you then, right, because, because Abraham says, nope, can't do it, can't, can't, can't help you out, right, you're on your own, you made your choice, this is it, right? Verse 27, the rich man says, well, then I beg you, Father, Send Lazarus to my family. Now, some of us are like listening to this father statement, Father Abraham. But understand the Jewish audience here because <clears throat> the Jews, or at least the religious elite, thought they were a shoe-in for heaven because they were, they were descendants of Abraham, right? And by virtue of being a descendant of Abraham, we're in. And Jesus is making a very clear distinction. Yes, Abraham and the rich man. There's a link there, but that's not the out, right? That doesn't buy you a free access. I think that's, that's important to say. Verse 27, the rich man says, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Things are so bad. And he realizes, I'm not getting out of here. But send somebody to warn them. 29, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. In other words, 
There's no going back. There's no people coming back to visit you after death. That's just not, that's just not going to happen. Right? That's just, that's just not going to happen. But they have Scripture, Moses, right? They have Scripture, and they have the prophets. They have those who proclaim God's truths. And so when you read that, I mean, our, we kind of re- recoil from that picture. That's, that's a horrible scene. And it's everlasting. It's an everlasting situation. Hell is a terrible place. I would say it this way. Words don't even come close to describing it. And I could bring you again, I could bring you all kinds, and we'll, we'll have some more, but I, I, I could bring you all kinds of scriptures that would just paint this. I mean, it's horrible. What I find interesting about this story, too, is the rich man asks something. Please tell my brothers. Please tell my brothers to avoid this hell. Matthew 13, 42, one of the verses that we could look at is, it says, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not much of a party is seen there. There will be complete and total separation and isolation from God and from other people. You know, one of the worst things that could happen if, when you're, not that I've ever been in prison, but if you were in prison, is to be in complete isolation, to be completely cut off from any human contact. I mean, that's the worst that, they, that we can do in our penal system, right? That's the worst that can happen. But even that is better than what we're talking about here because this is about torment. This is about eternal torment and punishment. Matthew 25, uh, uh, 25, verse 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The rich guy in Jesus' parable thought that everything was great until it wasn't. Everything was going just swimmingly for him. Everything was just the way he could ever have drawn it up. He was rich. He was eating food and had scraps left over. He had all he could think of. And then he did it. He wrongly connected his fortunes on earth as an indicator of his eternal future. His eternal destiny was settled on earth, and there was no way out once his life had ended. I want you to know something that I... I, Matter of fact, this past week and a week and a half, I've done... I've had two funerals that I've had the honor of being able to preside over, and I... I have a saying that I say every time, every funeral, I pretty much every funeral, staff kind of get sick of it because they hear it every time, and they're like, eh, eh, eh. and it's this, that humans have a 100% mortality rate. 
right? Nobody gets out of here alive. Eternity is facing every single person. As you look to your left and to your right or behind you, in front of you, if you're watching online to anybody that you're around or people that you meet, you're looking at people with, with a time stamp. And none of us knows the hour or the time of, of when that ends for us. Certainly, this rich guy, right? And, and anybody that we can think of, like, we got to be really careful about the decision that we have the opportunity to make because the question is always in front of us is what about you? Not what about the person sitting next to you? Not what about the person that you are married to or any of that kind of stuff? It's a personal decision. What about you right now? What is your eternal destiny? You can know that with all certainty what that is. And we're going to take some time and and walk through that. You can know that. You don't have to have a question mark in your head. You don't have to walk around wondering. You can know for certain that your destiny, that your eternal destiny is in heaven by a decision to follow Jesus and accept him as your Savior. I hope to see that, that you see, like I do, you see the love of Jesus in, in this parable. I hope you see it. Jesus didn't tell this story because he thought it was fun to make people squirm. Or that he hated the Pharisees so much that he, that he just wanted to just, you know, get him with this. He told this parable because he loved them. And, and his desire was for them to make a decision to follow Jesus. Jesus wants us to see that while we live, his grace gives us opportunity for a brand new start, a brand new beginning. God's judgment is coming. Death is final. But we have the scriptures, God's love letter to to speak and to guide us. And, And there are people who would proclaim his truths And as those truths are proclaimed and his word is spoken, we have the opportunity to respond to a God who is desperate for us to to accept him. And hell has no exits, but this life is full of opportunities for a new beginning. And I want you to hear this today. No one has to be condemned at all. Hell was not designed for us. It wasn't. No one has to go there. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's the determining factor? What keeps us from being condemned? Being in Christ. And you could be that today. Let's pray. If you've never before accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. The decision is now, because here's the truth. A decision to follow Jesus has the connection to 
the forgiveness of our sins and the forgiveness of all of our wrongdoings and ultimately a gift of eternal life in heaven. A decision that says, I'm not going to do that today is a decision to say, no, I don't want it. It's either or. I would say this, that God's desire is for all to come to a personal relationship to Jesus. He sent his son for you. And so right where you sit, this isn't about just a fire and brimstone message. This isn't about scaring anybody. This is just about the black and white truth of it. A decision to do your own thing, to follow your own way or the world's way or your peers' way or to do life and just kind of hold off following Jesus is to do what it is that Satan wants for you to do. To delay, to hold it off, to, to say no is to do what Satan is really wanting for you to do. So in essence, we're following his will. Jesus says, no, 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 follow me follow me. And so today, if, if you decide to follow Jesus, would you just, just in your heart and in your mind, would you just come to him and say, Jesus, thank you for loving me and coming and dying on the cross for me. And, and I, I just want to give you my, my sin. And whatever that is, living for myself, not living for you, I just give that to you. I ask you to take it. I thank you that what I've heard is that you would forgive me of that. So I thank you for your forgiveness. As much as I know how right now, I just surrender to you. And I just thank you for that. Help me to live differently. Help me to make decisions based on what I would think that you would want for me to do. And help me to learn and grow in what this means. Help me to, to make a commitment to to be a part of church and to find a group of people who follow you to, to learn and grow together so that, that I can be the person you want for me to be. For the rest of us here today that maybe we've made that decision, I just want to challenge you today. Are you living it? Are the people around you influenced by the change that has taken place in your life? Do they even know that you're a follower of Jesus? Have they ever heard about Jesus because of you? Like the rich man, there, there are people who need to hear, need to know. And you might be that one person that, that they might need to hear it from. So I want to challenge you. Is there anybody that's going to be in heaven because of you? I want to challenge you to pray that God would open doors and open your eyes to see opportunities to be able to be his hands and feet in this world, to help someone else to know that they can have an eternity in heaven. They can have their sins forgiven. They can live a different life, a, a fulfilling life that is built around what God has created them to be and to become. So help us. Help us not just as individuals, but as a church that we wouldn't get late that we would not be lazy, but we would be all out in a red-hot desire to help people who are far from God come to a personal relationship with them through Jesus Christ, grow in that relationship, and then go and be the hands and feet 
sharing it with others. So Father, help us to be that. Empower us, I pray this week, to be eyes wide open and ready to do whatever it is that you have for us to do. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you have provided a way out. We praise you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.